Well, now in our final live show, we'd like to showcase some ideas emerging around peace in Gaza, or maybe the more the better phrase is restoring order after war. This week, we did see a public fraying of the relationship between President Biden and Israel's Bibi Netanyahu over what might come next. Israeli officials apparently both canvass more strikes on Hamas, as well as knowing they must offer some plan for governing Gaza. But it's almost as if they want someone else to devise it, according to various observers who have been writing. Who might do that? What are the current models being imagined, let alone debated? Do Palestinians get a say? I'm very happy to welcome back Gaith Al-Omari, a senior fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. He served as advisor to the negotiating team during the 1999-2001 permanent status talks, and he has held positions within the Palestinian Authority. Hello there again, Gaith. Hi, Geraldine. Thank you for having me back. Is any more happening on this quest than makes headlines, would you say? Like, is there cause for any hope? Because these are the sort of things that don't, they're often, you know, very, very intangible um, if there are any sort of uh, green shoots, but they don't make the headlines. Can you give us some (laughs) hope? Um, Unfortunately, I can't. I mean, the most that I can say right now is this uh, topic, the topic of what happens the day after, is becoming a topic of conversation. This is what you hear in closed rooms when you talk to diplomats, whether Americans, Arabs, uh, etc. But as of yet, there's really uh, no even agreement on the concept of what comes next. There are different views, but each of the plans has uh, many vulnerabilities, and one party or another would veto one of those. So right now, we're talking about it, but there isn't even e- a clear idea of of what are the overall contours of what will come afterwards. I do read that there is sort of an enormous number of um, plans being prepared, written down between the US State Department, the White House and other groups. Now, are you seeing any of those? Are you seeing any of these even prototypes? I mean, we, we don't see them, <clears throat> the physical plans, but we hear, I mean, I'm hearing some of the uh, general ideas being put out there. And really, most of them uh, center around having some sort of an international uh, force, an international government running uh, uh, Gaza for an interim period until the Palestinian Authority comes and takes over. Looks very nice on paper, but a lot of, uh, you know, real world kind of difficulties with these ideas. Uh, now, in a way, though, someone's going to have to puncture, someone's going to have to force themselves, aren't they? Um, uh, you know, in terms of just sheer, I don't know whether it's money, will have to govern the day or just a very strong personality. I wonder if you can see anybody there who might emerge from out, of, out of this brew. I mean, again, if you look at it from within the Palestinian arena itself, then the short answer is no. Um, there's unfortunately the Palestinian political system has been uh, stalemated really for for years now. Uh, And we recently just saw a public opinion poll, I think yesterday or the day before, that basically said no one, not a single individual, has the support of the public. Now, if you zoom out and look at the region, then I think uh, most of the Arab countries, and uh, let me preface it by saying Israel wants to see see the Arab countries come and take over Gaza. And from their perspective, when I talk to Arab officials, they say, you know, why should we clean up Israel's mess? At the end of the day, you know, as we say in the States, uh, you break it, you own it. Uh, Israel is involved in this war. 
Israel has chosen how to uh, uh, conduct this war. So they're not in a great rush to come and spend uh, billions rebuilding Gaza just to have it destroyed again. Um, well, they have certain conditions. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I also read that they, most of those Arab countries have no interest whatever in Hamas prevailing. In fact, they're quite violently opposed to Hamas prevailing. And so, oh. they, so they have got very much interest in this, haven't they? At what point is this going to dawn on them? Of course, I mean, they do have an interest, and you're absolutely right, in many private conversations I have with them. Uh, they see Hamas both as a terror organization, they see it as an extension of Iran, which many of those Arab countries see as a major uh, threat, etc. However, those countries are saying, look, if you want us to come and play a role, then we need two guarantees. One guarantee is for our role as Arab countries to be uh, temporary. And that's why they focus on bringing back the Palestinian Authority, knowing that today it's too weak, but they want at least to um, signal to their public that we're not going to be there forever. And two, they want to present any participation as part of, uh, you know, a step towards ending the occupation and creating a Palestinian state. So when someone like the Israeli prime minister comes and says there will be no Palestinian state, the Palestinian Authority will never come back. This makes it very hard for these Arab countries to actually come in and say, okay, we'll play a role a day after. I mean, we sometimes tend to forget that Arab countries have their own politics. And in the same way that, you know, the Israeli prime minister has to manage his politics, those countries need at least these two things, to know that it's temporary, and to frame it as a step towards ending the conflict as a political precondition for them coming in. So we're stuck at this moment right now. Yes, no, I see. And and I was going to come to that later, but, you know, people like Martin Indyk, the former US ambassador to Israel, has virtually openly said, um, and he's not the only one, uh, the mm. economist has been saying, there need to be elections in Israel. Uh, sure. Now, that, that seemed to me to be something specific. Of course, Netanyahu will hate it, but that was a specific specific call and I thought that that could be a little bit of a circuit breaker. Do you, are you hearing any, any movement around this? I mean, actually uh, take it a step further and say that I think, again, yesterday or the day before, President Biden himself said that, uh, well, he didn't call for an election. No, he didn't quite. He said, <laughs> no, uh, that would be taking it too far. But he did say that uh, the Israeli prime minister has to get rid of some of his uh, coalition partners, some of the very, very extremist members of the current Israeli coalition. So that's basically signaling that there is a lot of impatience here. Uh, with the Israeli political uh, game. And also, I think uh, it's interpreted as pressure on Netanyahu, basically saying either you get your political house in order or expect to see more more tensions with the United States. Mm. And are you hearing anything about real movements inside that coalition um, that he has put together to govern at the moment? Because, I mean, that's obviously another possible circuit breaker. Uh, none whatsoever. I mean, he knows that his political survival today uh, depends on having these uh, marginal, yet very powerful uh, uh, coalition partners. And uh, Bibi and Netanyahu, if there's one thing that we know about him, for him, political survival comes first, second and third. So it's highly unlikely that he will uh, change it. Yeah. So I would expect to see more tensions between him and the US in coming weeks. Uh, I wonder if you could envisage, going back to the Palestinian situation and um, the Palestinian Authority, uh, I wonder if you could envisage a return of the former leader, Salam Fayyad, whom I interviewed uh, quite a few years back, who was, of course, uh, in charge for a while, um, who has been noticeably quiet during all this. I th he's working, I think, at the um, uh, in the US uh, in a very senior position, advisory position. And um, we tried to get him to do an interview and as we just get nothing back. So I, I just wonder if something's going on there. 
I mean, I agree. I think, first of all, uh, Fayyad, if he were to come back, he would be ideal. I mean, the guy has shown that he can produce amazing results in a very short time in terms of <clears throat> fighting corruption and all of these kind of really essential uh, issues. But I would actually uh, uh, caution against starting to talk about names. I think what we need right now is a real international push to reform the Palestinian Authority and let the Palestinians produce their own leaders. It's worth keeping in mind that Fayyad himself uh, emerged to the scene as a result of uh, an initiative by former President George W. Bush to basically insist on Palestinian reform. And when he insisted, insisted on reform, the Palestinians had no choice but to produce reformists, and this is how Fayyad uh, emerged. So I would argue that uh, we should now focus on the core issues, reforming the Palestinian Authority, reviving some sort of a diplomatic relation between the Palestinians and Israelis to show that violence doesn't pay and uh, peaceful means uh, produce results, and let the Palestinian political system produce its own leaders. Well, uh, lovely segue and fine a quick, because we had a very interesting young man, Mohammed Azadeh, who's a West Banker, uh, living here in Australia while his wife completes a, a degree, and he was telling us how so much works well in the West Bank. We don't hear much about this. That quite a lot oh. of systems, very good established uh, things, you know. So there need to be people other than the usual political players drawn into this. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, what you have in the Palestinian political system is that the current leaders are just so uh, attached to their positions that they will not voluntarily cede any of this power, whether it is to other politicians or even creating the space for the private sector or the, you know, uh, non-government organizations. So there needs to be pressure from the outside. So it's very important as we think of what is the day after Gaza <clears throat> in Gaza, that we also focus on how do you create the political and governance space for these amazing, really amazing, talented uh, Palestinian uh, voices, some young, some old, some private sector, some public sector. We need to create the space for them to emerge because short of that, we're stuck with the same failed names that we mm. have been stuck with for, for years now. All right, Gaith, it's lovely to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Gaith Alamari, Senior Fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.